Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lost Teams podcast. I am your co-host Anthony Cerdelli. With me again today is my fellow co-host Andrew Lennox. Andrew, how's it going? Uh, not bad. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Happy to get back. Uh, we apologize for the one-week hiatus. Both of us had a a couple busy weeks, so uh, we weren't able to get the weekly one out. But uh, we hope you enjoyed the two-part episode about the Seattle Kraken. Um, it was fun for us to do. Hopefully, you guys listened to it. But uh, yeah, how's your uh, how's your week been going? Busy, man. Busy. Just trying to get that uh, vaccine in. Got actually got scheduled. So nice. At, at, at the first one at the end of the week. So which one are you getting? Moderna. Yep, I got I got one. I had my first one like two weeks ago. Um, nice. Thank you, asthma, mild asthma. <laughs> uh, and then my next one, my next one is like going to be the day before my fam- uh, we go uh, on an airplane to fly to a wedding. So perfect. Hope- hopefully, I don't get the side effects oh. and look like a zombie on the plane. They might you not let me on. Fine. You'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Well, uh, today I'm going to tell you about a soccer team. Um, We've had one soccer team on here already, the Chicago Cats. We're going to have another one, this time from the NASL, which was a professional soccer league in the United States that was happening right around the same time as, uh, it was the ASL, right, that the Cats are in, American Soccer League? I don't know. I can't remember, man. (laughs) I got to check that out. I believe it was. I believe it was something similar to that. Yeah, it was the ASL. That was was, uh, episode that was quite a while ago man yeah it was a while ago it was the asl it was the asl and the boston minutemen is a team we're going to do which is in the nasl which was a a competitor league it was Uh, also a request from one of our fans john barrett of valley stream new york we've mentioned him a couple times but john this was a, a fun one to research and a very interesting team. So we thank you for the suggestion. Thank you, John. Here we go. So um, the episode is going to be sourced from funwellatlasted.net, obviously, our, uh, our buddy Drew, and then the Wikipedia article yep. for the Boston Minutemen, um, as well as a, a website called probook.com. Uh, uh, it was a biography on the owner of the Minutemen, who I'll tell you about in a minute. And then... <laughs> I don't know how accurate this this source was, but Luton Heritage, and then an article called Luton Heritage, Hatter's Fan Whose Family Played a Big Part in Vauxhall History by Save Our Town. Uh, so good luck figuring that one out, um, but it's pretty interesting. You'll find out soon. Would you find that on Microfish? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a weird blog. You'll figure out why it's so obscure in a, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then a New York Times... Is it Time, microfish or microfiche? I think it's microfiche. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was like in those old detective <laughs> movies or whatever, the old yeah. like studying in the library. No, we're, we're not quite that in-depth in this. Maybe we will be one day, but <laughs> not yet. Yeah, absolutely no way. Want we'll to hire hire we, researchers to do that? I'm not doing that. Yeah, if anybody wants to sponsor the microfiche department <laughs> at Lost Teams Podcast, we'd love to. We'd love to have it. Yeah. Um, and then the last episode, uh, our last uh, article is a New York Times article. Um, I'm not going to say what it was because then it'll give it away by Alex Yesinas Yesinas from 1975. And then last but not least, uh, the SEC Docket website, a weekly compilation of releases from the Securities and Exchange Commission. So please don't log off. It's not boring, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, the team was the Boston Minutemen. They competed in the North American Soccer League, the NASL. They were founded in 1974 and they were dissolved in 1976. 
They were owned by John Sturge or Sturge. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He was an oil executive and consultant from Massachusetts, I believe. So uh, that is how they started. Um, their manager, and this is kind of funny. This is, I think, the second personal connection I've had or or story to a team that we've that we've talked about. The first one was Red Rolf, who was uh, the coach of the Toronto Huskies briefly in our second episode. Also won a World Series in Major League Baseball with the Yankees and eventually went on to become the Dartmouth baseball coach and athletic director uh, in the hometown I grew up in. But this one, uh, the manager of the Boston Minutemen was Hubert Vogelsinger. I have met Hubert Vogelsinger. I met him okay. when I, I went to his soccer camp in Massachusetts uh, my sophomore year before going into my sophomore year of high school. Well, I didn't um, know you were a soccer player. I was. I was a goalie um, who fizzled out and couldn't handle the beating uh, in high school. And then, did, you, did you ever stop the ball? Oh, I was good. I, <laughs> this is going to get Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite for a second, but uh, um, I was a pretty good goalie in middle school and stuff. And then I keeper. did a, a, a keeper. keeper, yeah, keeper in soccer, as they call it. Yes. Uh, which will surprise people how little respect I have for the vernacular of soccer. Uh, but then I did a soccer camp heading into ninth grade with like the JV coach, and I acted like a little whiny bitch. Uh, oh. And then I did not make the JV or varsity team. I was on the freshman team, and then my soccer career in quotes fizzled out from there <laughs> yeah Go, uh, goalie uh, soccer keepers goalkeepers or whatever I'll, i always like think of like lacrosse uh goalies as well it's like i just feel like lacrosse goalies never save the ball oh i was I, especially I, on field especially on field lacrosse and then and then soccer too i'm like uh eh. <laughs> i could be completely wrong i'm not a huge soccer fan but Oh, there's some good ones, you know but I mean. the, yeah, yeah. I like to think I was a decent goalie, yeah, but I was not, uh, how would you say, mentally tough. Anyway, um, so after my freshman year where I played on the freshman team and I was the goalie, I decided I wanted to try playing out. So I went to the Vogelzinger soccer camp at the Brooks School in Massachusetts and uh, tried to um, improve my, I think, defense and midfield abilities. And then I uh, got tried out for the high school team again and got put back on the freshman slash JV two team. And then I quit soccer for good. So, <laughs> but I did go to Vogelzinger's soccer camp, which was nice. fun. It, it was cool. Uh, so I was kind of surprised to see his name, uh, as the manager or coach of, I don't know what you call it in soccer of the Boston Minutemen. Um, the Boston Minutemen were pretty successful. Uh, Drew, when Drew Crossley came on our show, he mentioned, um, some, some prof early professional soccer and that it was pretty popular in the United States. And the Minutemen were at least to start very popular in Boston. Hmm. Um, they played in a number of, uh, stadiums, but they, they were able to draw pretty well in their first season, partially because they had a lot of European imports that were former um, star players in Europe or very good players and uh, sort of a similar correlation to what's going on now with the MLS. It seems like a lot of yeah. players that are excellent come yeah. over closer to the end of their career. Yeah. I mean, this, you're going to, these names are, if you're not a soccer fan are not going to ring any bells, but they're also like, they're the seventies equivalent of your David Beckham's and your Zlatan Ibrahimovic's and your uh, name, name a, a late career European superstar who's tried their hand at MLS soccer right. basically. So um, the first thing I was going to say too, I was going to say too, just because of my, my spiel on soccer goalkeepers a little earlier, I still know a little bit about soccer. So <laughs> for, 
any of you soccer fans out there, I'm not a soccer hater. So, <laughs> so the well, we'll get we'll get to the Minutemen's goalie in a second. He was quite the character. Um, but they had a a striker. I'm going to get his name wrong. Aid or Ade, probably Ade Coker. He was a forward from Nigeria who, unlike mm-hmm. many players who join the MLS now, he was actually younger when he joined the Minutemen. After playing four seasons for West Ham United of the uh, top English league back in the day, it, was, it wasn't called the Premier League at that point. It is now, but it, it was the equivalent of the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, he joined the Minutemen around age 20. Then there was Graham oh. French. Uh, French was an interesting character. He was a British soccer player who was playing for Luton Town, again of the top division in the uh, – English, I think the English Football League it was called back then, but it was the equivalent of the Premier League. Uh, he was regarded as one of the best young wingers in the league, in spite of spending a lot of time, this is directly from Wikipedia, at bars before games and playing, and as we like to call it in hockey, uh, playing guilty. So that's what playing hungover basically is in uh, in the hockey world. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, these guys must have been taking um, substantial pay cuts to play back then. Like, you know, I, I can't imagine. I didn't. I couldn't find that out, but I'm, I'm not so sure that, I mean, you'll find out in a second, uh, towards the end, I think the yeah. guy, the owner of the Minutemen was relatively loaded, but he was, let's say he wasn't using his money, uh, properly, okay. which you'll find out. Unfortunately for French, uh, when he was playing in the premier league, he was involved in a bar shooting. Jeez. Uh, yeah. And was sentenced to three years in prison. And after he got out, he joined the Minutemen, but only for a few games. So was the bar shooting in Massachusetts? Or? No, it was in England. Okay, okay. And that's where that weird article I cited came from. So sure. uh, the only details I could find were from that website, uh, where it basically said the Luton Town, I think, was waiting to go get on the bus for an away game. And he didn't show up because he was on the run from police. Uh, and eventually wow. he was caught and arrested. And another kind of interesting fact. So Graham French was known as the George Best of lower league football. Do you know who George Best is? Yes, I do know who George Best is. He, yeah, I so don't know, know a ton about him, but I know he was a very good soccer player. Yeah, he was basically the Wayne Gretzky of nope. of soccer, <laughs> <laughs> or not quite. He All was right. ba- he was basically what he wasn't the Wayne Gretzky of soccer. No, I, you would know better than me. He wasn't the Wayne Gretzky. He was the wing. He was the. He was the, he's considered the best English soccer player of all time. Um, and if you're considered okay. the best English soccer player of all time or one of the best, you're probably one of the best international soccer players of all time. Um, yeah. And George Best actually uh, used to own a bar here in Hermosa Beach before he passed away, which is okay. now called the, the Underground. Um, and I've been to a couple times to the Underground Bar in Hermosa's to watch, uh, strangely enough, some UFC fights. But um, yeah, so he was considered the George Best of lower league football. And according to a couple of the articles I looked at, he, I looked, he had everything skill-wise. Graham French was called the George Best of lower league football. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up serving his jail sentence from 1970 to 1972. And this is from that website, quote, for shooting a bloke, and then in parentheses, whose brother I knew in a Lucy Farm pub, the unicorn, in a bunch of exclamation points. So... Uh, take that with a grain of salt. We're yeah. not sure how accurate that is. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The goalkeeper, uh, Shep Messing, was actually an American who played, I think, his entire career in the NASL. He played, so he played for, this is according to a, a, a quote directly from Funwell Lasted. Uh, 
which made me laugh. Uh, the Minutemen were able to get him from his previous team. He was available thanks to a nude pictorial in Viva magazine in late 1974 that incensed the management of his former club, the New York Cosmos. So <laughs> he did a so naked photo shoot. Nude and they cut him. Yeah. And I think v, uh, Viva, as far as I can tell, I think it was owned by the f- the former owner or the founder of Penthouse. So it was literally like... So it was like Playgirl or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> and then in, in 1975, uh, they signed Portuguese player Eusebio. And that's how it was pronounced on the YouTube video I watched. Please don't come after me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Hey, real quick. Real, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Was that right? Is that what the male one was called? Playgirl? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just making sure, man. I'm like, what am I talking about? You're That's like, right. I, I just got to check the magazines under my draw. Yep, it's Playgirl. Yeah, I was going to Google it real quick. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Good thing you did. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Um, so, uh, Eusebio was regarded as the second most famous soccer player in the world behind Pele at the time. He was 33 and was not really what he was when he was at his peak due to a bunch of chronic knee injuries, but uh, he was very, very good. I, I kind of looked him up to try to figure out some context to get him kind of uh, compared to some players we know today. Uh, I'm hopefully not offending a lot of uh, soccer hipsters with the pronouncing of his name, but um, Eusebio was always pretty much listed on soccer websites as the number two best uh, Portuguese player behind Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I hope he has a statue as interesting as Ronaldo's, but uh, we'll see. Do you have you ever seen that Ronaldo statue? Have I ever seen the statue? No, I have not. He has a pretty hideous statue. If you Google it, it's 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 hilarious. Okay. Uh, many say that Eusebio was one of the best soccer players of all time. So the fact that he came to the U.S. was pretty huge. He right. was ranked number twenty on Sports Illustrated's 2019 list of the best soccer players of all time, ahead of names we recognize today like Ronaldinho, John Luigi Buffon. Speaking of a goalkeeper, uh, so he is ahead of some um, some big names from modern soccer. Now that we're through all the big names that played on the Boston Minutemen, let's learn learn about the immense number of fields they played at during their time. Sure. They played at Alumni Stadium, which was Boston College's football field. They played at Nickerson Field, which was a stadium on Boston University campus. I think it was their soccer stadium. Okay. Uh, Veterans Memorial Stadium in Quincy, Massachusetts, which is now home to the Boston Cannons lacrosse team. Mm. And a few a few Patriots games were played their way back in the day. Sargent Field uh, on the campus of New Bedford High School and McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which was home to the AAA Pawtucket Red Sox, the farm team of the Boston Red Sox. So why couldn't they find a, like a stable home? I think it was more their owner. Uh, there were some like, real reasons there I mean there weren't some outlined reasons but the owner seemed like uh, kind of a sketchy dude so they even played on a, a high school field like the yeah. Chicago Cats yep a high school football field yep which was nice. surprising because some NASL NASL games were broadcast on CBS yeah uh, uh, and the NAS a little background in the NSL NASL they had 15 teams in the league when they started there were wow. 20 in their final season uh, the the Minutemen final season uh, their first season went well in the Northern Division. They played against teams from Baltimore, Montreal, New York, which were the Cosmos, Philadelphia, Toronto, Washington, and Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. They drew on average over five, over excuse me, nine thousand fans per match in their first season, which was fifth, fifth highest in the league. 
They played actually an interesting part uh, in the L.A. Boston rivalry. We always think about the Celtics and Lakers uh, when it comes to L.A. and Boston. Maybe the Dodgers and Red Sox a little bit in recent times. Um, but in their first season, the Boston Minutemen played the L.A. Aztecs, uh, and the Aztecs beat them in the 1974 semifinals of the NASL. So, and then the Aztecs went on to win the league title. So, relatively early Boston L.A. rivalry right there. But in 1975 was when things kind of got interesting. Um, June 20th, 1975, Pele, who had just started playing with the New York Cosmos, uh, came to Boston to play for the Cosmos against the Minutemen. Uh, it was only Pele, from what I could tell, only Pele's second game in the United States after he played his first, I think, in New York. Uh, according to Fun While It Lasted, it was Eusebio's debut uh, and like I said, only Pele's second game, maybe third. Uh, he had made his debut in the NSA NASL on June 15th. So the Minutemen oversold the stadium, Nickerson Field at BU, which according to uh, Fun While It Lasted and the New York Times, held anywhere between 12,500 and 14,000 fans. Uh, awesome. They filled the, fan, the stadium up over to 20,000 fans. So wow. the fans... Uh, were kind of surrounding the playing field. They were basically at the same level of the players without very much uh, separating them. So even back then, like we always hear like in the U.S. that, you know, the sport of soccer has grown so much in the last 20, 30 years. But like even back then they were, it seemed like it was popular. They were, when Pele's coming to town, we're going to have huge crowds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I mean, I'm, I'm curious. United States is such a diverse place yes. and in cities, especially there's a lot of diversity. And so I wonder if it was a lot of soccer fans that had resettled in the United States from other parts of the world. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they would know who Pele was. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure your average American in 1975 would, but maybe yeah, I'm not no giving internet. them enough credit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, especially not Eusebio. I hadn't heard of Eusebio until I researched for this story. So right. uh, even with the internet, I would, didn't know who he was. Uh, during the game against the Cosmos, Eusebio scored for the Minutemen. Pele also scored, uh, causing fans to rush the field. And apparently they stepped on the leg of Pele and oh, injured, his, injured his leg. He had to be carried off on a stretcher. Luckily, the Cosmos hired private security and Pele's own bodyguard, Perdo, as just a single name, as is uh, tradition in soccer, even for the bodyguards, right. apparently, <laughs> uh, had to jump on Pele to cover him from the mob. He was carried wow. off the field in a stretcher, like I said. He was okay. His injuries were, injuries were pretty minor. Um, the Minutemen ended up winning the game, and I think the Pele goal was disallowed for some reason. Uh, but the Cosmos protested because of the uh, riot that was started and yeah. the league eventually upheld the protest and the game had to be replayed later on in the summer. So huh. uh, not a good showing in no. Boston. I mean, a huge showing for soccer, but uh, something bad happened. So, right. How old was Pele when he came? He was old. He was, came up to the U S I want to say he was in his mid thirties. Let's see. Because he was, was he playing in Europe? He was playing in, or did uh, he, did he come from Brazil? I know he came, he's from Brazil, but was he playing down in Brazil? Who I think knows? he just played in, it looks like he just played in Brazil. Santos, I think, is a Brazilian oh. team. So, I mean, you wonder why, uh, uh, <laughs> how old Pele was at the age when he came over to the United States, because we mentioned, we talked about it with some of the other players. He was about the, around 35, hmm. uh, maybe a 34. So he was, uh, 
he was old in soccer years, but he's my age, so yeah, he, he's not old. <laughs> and then he was playing in Brazil. You said, yeah, he was playing to coming over from Europe, playing yeah. in the leagues over there. Okay, he was playing in Brazil for Santos. Sure. Uh, before he went to the New York Cosmos. Okay. Uh, it says Pele 643 goals for Santos was the most goals scored for a single club until it was surpassed by Lionel Messi of Barcelona in December, 2020. So yeah. not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you ever seen can, that, you ever seen that clip on whatever YouTube, Twitter, when Pele, Wayne Gretzky, Sugar Ray Leonard, and what's that tennis player? Bjorn, Bjorn Borg, Bjorn, Bjorn Borg are doing a sprint. Uh, they're a no. race, like a hundred yard dash. No, I didn't see Gretzky that. Gretzky destroys them. Hockey player legs. I'll send. It's the best clip ever. I'll send it to you. No one tell me that soccer players are the the most conditioned athletes in the world. Anybody yeah, but, Pele, but Gretzky was in his twenties. Pele was probably thirty five, thirty six. I mean, if it was in Maybe the eighties when when people knew Gretzky, he would have been forty five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's. Sure, and but Sugar Ray Leonard was in his prime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gotta send you this clip, man. Yeah, I love it. The hockey player legs. There, that's why they call him Quadzilla. Right. Uh, so, uh, continuing with the Minutemen, uh, 1976, the team looked absolutely stacked. They had Eusebio, they had Messing, their goalkeeper, they had Coker, and they had a couple more European imports. Uh, unfortunately for the Minutemen, uh, Sturridge's negotiations to play at Harvard Stadium fell through, so the team had to postpone its first two games that season and play in four different stadiums that year, the last four I mentioned, including, like I said, what appeared to be a high school stadium in New Bedford, Mass. They finished their season playing at McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which up until this season or last season was the Red Sox minor league stadium for the Pawtucket Red Sox, mm-hmm. so... And the Pawtucket Red Sox are interesting. We'll we'll have to do a Lost Teams episode about them because they have some crazy stuff in their history. Mm. Uh, but I'm getting on a tangent. So uh, the team fell on hard times financially. Sturge or Sturge sold off his best players, and the team who had started seven and five lost their next twelve games with the guys they had basically signed to replace their star players. Hubert Vogelzinger resigned and started his soccer camps at that point or some point afterwards. Uh, and the team folded after the season. And it was a season where it averaged 2,571 fans per game. So pretty huge decrease from the 9,000 they were averaging in their first season. Yeah, big. <laughs> According to funwellatlasted.net, uh, after they dissolved, Lipton Tea Company bought the rights to the team and reestablished them in 1978 as the New England Tea Men. <laughs> wow. It's funny. It's funny that all the Revolutionary War kind of uh, colonial references they make, and uh, it's interesting. Especially in Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean that's that makes more sense. But I, I what's never... their team? Go ahead. Oh, sorry, what's their team called now? The Revolution. The New England Re- Revolution, right? Yeah. So yeah. I wonder. No, I mean I wonder if it was at all trying to Connected. harken back to the early professional soccer in New England, or if it was yeah. just. They just all, that's all they got now is Revolutionary (laughs) War era names. Um, The team folded due to declining attendance. This isn't the, this isn't the team, man. This is the the Minutemen still. Uh, And I was talking about the owner and his sketchiness. So 
they, they folded due to declining attendance, but also according to the SEC, because Sterge was lying about the success of his oil companies uh, and his financial uh, resources, and also was using the money invested in those companies to fund the Minutemen. So imagine to pay the high uh, contracts of those European imports they brought over. So yeah. obviously they weren't long for existence, even if they had maintained their popularity, if their owner was about to go to jail to white collar prison, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was the Boston Minutemen of the NASL. Well, it seems like they had potential to be great and just bad ownership and whatnot kind of killed them. Yeah. And we talk about obviously the general point of this podcast is how it kind of changed sports history and uh, kind of the repercussions it has to today's game. I mean, yeah. Pele coming to the New York Cosmos was one of the earliest examples of, of or most famous of uh, a star international soccer player coming to play professional soccer in the United States. It did, I, I'm sure, helped establish professional soccer in the United States so that the MLS could come along. 20 years How, yeah right how long did this nasl correct yeah the nasl how long did this league last how long was it in existence i think it was close to like 20 years 1968 to 1984 so 18 years is that 18 16 so it 16 wasn't years like that cats league we were talking about no <laughs> the league the cats the chicago cats were in i don't even remember what league that was but yeah, well, it was it was well, a, the ASL, but it was a competitor league. But I think the NASL was more popular. And yeah, for what that that's sixteen years, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, sixteen years. Wow, that's great. And you said that at the height of the league, there was twenty teams. At the height of the minute when the Minutemen were playing, there were twenty oh, teams. Oh, I see. Okay. Anyway, yeah, it had it kind of started the um, the uh, the Minutemen and the Cosmos and the NASL and the ASL probably a little bit started the transition of having players come from Europe and, and sign the United States at the end of their career and mm-hmm. um, helped make soccer what it is today and bring along the MLS. So pretty, pretty yeah, influential team. Definitely. And the MLS has become quite popular. So, yeah. Yep. Well, um, that'll do it for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Delhi tweets. That's D E L L I T W E E T S. And you can find me on Instagram at the media Delhi. Andrew, where can they find you? You uh, can find me on Twitter at A-W-L-E-N-N. That's A-W-L-N. Yeah, stay tuned for future episodes. Like I said, uh, give us a review, give us a comment, send me a message on Twitter or uh, send Andrew a message. Tell us a team you want us to cover because we always want to hear from our fans and because it's fun to do the podcast. So uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.